Don't let your past haunt your current reality. Hey everybody, welcome to Crime Over Cocktails. I'm Tiffany, your host, and today I'm speaking with my guest, Clinton. Hi, good afternoon. This is Clinton Dye. I'm the owner CEO of Right Now, and I'm here to tell you my story. I'm sure you'll find it interesting. Yeah, so we'll take it all the way back to the very beginning. So I am a child of two parents that were hippies from California. They left San Francisco, San Diego when I was a baby and moved down to Houston, Texas. Both my parents were drug addicts, alcoholics, lifelong users of alcohol. Eventually, my father got sober, but when I was about five years old, my father was high, came into the house drunk and high, looking for money from my mother. And she was a, you know, a, a waitress, a cocktail waitress at night, so a bartender. There's no money to be found there, right? So he comes into the house. He's basically you know, assaulting her, smacking her around in the back room, whatever. And sure enough, she had enough. She took out her 38, pointed at the guy in his chest, and shot him in the, uh, the same room I was in when I was five years old. Just about five. You saw it happen? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Shot him in the chest, point blank, uh, when I was five years old, right? I remember the look on his face as clear as day, you know, his eyes wide. He's like, he shot me, you know, and he's holding his chest and he just kind of stumbled out. And I clearly remember the distraught look in his face as, you know, just sh was shot right in the chest and left the building, you know, like Elvis. You know, that's that's where my story starts my experience with domestic violence. And that wasn't the last experience, but that was the first one that I can remember. Was that kind of like a normal thing in your house? You know, my dad wasn't really around a lot. He was, he worked full time and, you know, he's out, you know, doing heroin and, and trying to find his next score and smoking weed and drinking. So I don't really recall seeing him around the house a ton when I was a kid, but um, when he was there, um, at that age and that time in his life, uh, they usually weren't very pleasant. I mean, I just remember a few, a few interactions with him when I was a kid before he decided that he was going to get sober later in life and then um, you know, start his journey of recovery. But there was, there was plenty of events where you know, he would come in drunk and they would fight. I mean, my parents were a water and oil. My mother was not a, a woman that you know, would leave her. I mean, she was a feminist from the 60s, right? From California. So a strong-willed, overly spoken woman with no filter whatsoever. Like zero, like zero fucks for a filter. You just <laughs> could not tell my mother a thing. She was just never going to shut up. And my dad was, you know, same thing. Uh, prideful 60s, post-Vietnam era guy. So all the people were pretty hard in the United States that time. They went through a lot in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And um, they just weren't taking shit from either of each other. And neither one of them would back down. And uh, eventually, you know, it'd be fist to cuff. Like, they would just go at it. That was just life. I, I think I'm very fortunate is that they didn't, they didn't take it out on me. I was never uh, the object of of you know physical abuse and i got a, a spanking which i well deserved as a young child i was you know a kid i, I was ne never doing the right thing but that was okay that's normal but that's you know, fortunately okay. enough i was just a, a byproduct of their ufc events you know from time to time 
Mm. Yeah. So he didn't pass away. So no, my father lived. Uh, he <laughs> that guy was indestructible for the most part. <laughs> so he took a shot to the chest like a champ. Um, makes it to the hospital and nearly dies in the hospital. You know, your lung starts to fill up with blood and he's in the emergency room and they're not operating. So eventually they find him, you know, passed out in the hallway. You know, he's probably not very long from death as the blood fills up in the lungs and, you know, you can't process oxygen. So they wheel him back in there, sew him up. Now she didn't hit any vital organs, didn't hit the spine, just straight in, straight out. So they patch him up. He gets it together. Um, shortly after that, the guy breaks his neck, right? Wrestling over a bag of dope, supposedly. <laughs> so I've been told. My mother's not here to defend this story anymore. But uh, they f- they tumble over a second story apartment or something or a couch. I don't know. One of the two. I've heard different versions. Essentially, oh. the guy breaks his neck, right? Still doesn't fucking die. <laughs> Still doesn't fucking die. Uh, they, you know, do surgery, replace the bone in his neck with a prosthetic, and um, he lived. He had minimal movement in his neck, but the guy could walk. Um, he was just kind of indestructible. He was stabbed. He was shot multiple times, different events. So he was oh just one goodness. of those guys, just just a tough guy. And uh, nine lives. Yeah, he had nine lives. I think he definitely passed on hit the survivability gene into into my my life for sure because um i'm fairly indestructible as well like uh you hit me with a car you better have full coverage because <laughs> your car's not walking away but i will that's <laughs> that's the kind of the kind of life i live so yeah that was that was a regular thing i had an older sister a half sister and a younger brother that came along from different fathers um but i didn't really grow up with either i was kind of the middle child my mother had me when she was 30, um, my sister at 15, and then my brother, I think she was 45 or something. So uh, we were kind of all over the place. So I didn't, I didn't grow up with either of them. Right. Yeah. Crazy. That is crazy. Is she go to jail? What happened? She didn't. And this is in Texas. So they don't give a fuck what you do <laughs> in Texas with a gun, right? In your own house. You could just be capping fools left and right like the Wild West. Like. <laughs> zero fucks they didn't arrest her they took her statement called it self-defense and she was done they didn't i mean she had a gun that was registered to do was slapping her around there's nothing to charge her this isn't california modern days where you shoot someone in your house you're probably going to jail like it doesn't work like that not in texas not in you know the early 80s giving away my age here for the audience but early 80s i was five so yeah zero charged i'm an 80s baby so you're not that that's that's all right We're the coolest. Uh, duh. <laughs> we created <laughs> Facebook and the internet and you know online porn. Thank God. I mean, Porno. our generation did all kinds of great stuff. <laughs> it's the crap that they showed us on TV. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So that was kind of the day to day. You know that that event prepared me for a lot of really horrible times later in life. I would say that those things hardened me. Most people have fairly easy lives, even even people that um, have what we would define as a hard life. On the outside, looking in on the entire globe in America, most lives are pretty soft. You know, they're pretty pretty traditional, pretty protected. I mean, there's obviously horrible statistics all over the place, but that's a, a minority group in our our culture for the most part. You know, the domestic violence, the drugs, alcohol, and abuse, um, sex trafficking. You know, those kinds of things, child molestation. Those are 
statistically not the majority, right? As horrible as it is, our culture's fairly good at keeping law and order in place for the majority of the population, right? But those things 100% hardened me for much worse times later in life. Do you feel like that had anything to do with the path you took? Uh, no, not, not really. Um, both my parents were hippies, right? They were hippies, you know, peace, love and hair grease kind of thing. My dad was a draft dodger. Uh, you know, he, I think he paid off a doctor so he'd have flat feet so he didn't have to go to Vietnam. And I just had different, different morals than, than my parents. I mean, the, the things that balanced me and drove me were just entirely different than my parents. You know, I, I went down that path of just like I was exposed to drugs, alcohol, violence, the whole thing, the whole thing. Went down that path and it nearly ruined my life. But at some point, I had a couple of events where I needed to change course. And one of those was, you know, an unplanned pregnancy with my wife, right? So we had an unplanned pregnancy and I needed to kind of rewrite myself and reinvent myself because I had a, a young human that I was entirely not prepared to start raising whatsoever at 19. So I enlisted in the Marine Corps, right? And that kind of set me on a a journey of combat veteran, you know, four tours in combat in the Marines. And, you know, I've dropped, I was a weapons controller. So I controlled aircraft onto target, dropping bombs in Iraq, Afghanistan, all over the place. So I had a lot of combat experience. And I definitely think that those harder times in my life kind of leveled up the armor, if you will, the emotional armor and ability to manage trauma and duress under extreme stressors of combat. And, you know, a lot of people struggled with their day-to-day and post-war to the point of suicide. You know, they're just unable to manage the emotions and their only way out was a 38 caliber handgun. And it's really unfortunate. Um, But I attribute those tough years as kind of the catalyst that helped me increase my survivability in in those times. Now, there's some post emotions that you have to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. But for the most part, um, executing in combat was, I was always in combat, you know, an inner city kid, trailer park, drugs, alcohol, violence was all around, right? In Houston. So these things were sort of normal, even in my own household, it was like a kind of like a war zone from time to time. So I had to learn how to manage the emotional stresses of that environment pretty quickly. Now, you do that through suppression, uh, whatever. You just ignore reality. There's lots of mechanisms that children use. And later in life, those things haunt you. But at the time, in my young adulthood and full of testosterone and youth, uh, I was a pretty hyper-violent guy. And I had no problem going off into combat and hyper-logical and very non-empathetic. So I'm the exact opposite of a hippie, I think. And it just- angry? Some kind of angry. Am I angry? No, no, no. I'm not angry. I mean, I I harbor intense energy all the time. And I think due to the, the nature of my work, my current work, you know, I spent 20 years supporting the war on terror as an active duty Marine and then a defense contractor- so I, w- I won't say I'm angry, um, but I use my anger as a focused weapon 
of choice, right? I, I turn my anger from something that will give me an outburst, right? Where I would get upset at someone or, or start tossing bodies or anything crazy like that. No, I, I focus that, that intense emotion for good, right? So, so I don't, think I, I view myself as like a mini incredible hulk right like i the bruce banner has all this anger and rage all the time but he chooses to focus that energy for good and that's exactly what i do i'm a i'm a person with an internal storm and it takes every bit of my being and focus and meditation and drive and purpose to refocus that intense energy into something for positivity and that's sort of what brings me to my current journey in life is taking all that trauma, taking all that hostile energies, just that, uh, yeah, I, I won't call it toxic masculinity, but I think it's just a root, a root result of everything that I've been through. And I've learned to focus that. So uh, I exercise restraint 100% of the time all day, every day. And that is my own battle. I mean, there's just at times where, you know, yeah, we won't even have to describe that for the audience, but you could imagine like, you know, I'm just a guy that's do not break until war. I'm a weapon that's put into the glass case and, and we don't need to break that thing. Just leave it bottled up. Right. And when times get bad, you want a guy like me around like, Hey, go call Clinton. You know, the zombies are coming, you know, <laughs> I'm coming and start mowing some people down. I will have, I won't feel bad about it. I've never really felt bad about those things. I do feel entirely horrible about the people in my life that I've hurt, that I've cared about, you know, just on my journey of rebirth. But in combat, I don't, I don't worry about those things. I can't, I can't change the past. Shouldn't let the past haunt your, your current state of, you know, reality. I like that. A lot of people, and I've even said like in multiple of my episodes, a lot of times like people just lose themselves along the way, you know, they concentrate on what happened. And instead of trying to fix themselves or learn or help heal, educate all that, they just stay in that angry space. And it just can go so many different ways. Oh, yeah, that's 100% of all life in any, any aspect. If you're not executing to your highest potential, those things will eat you alive, right? You've got to focus your energy for a selfless endeavor that doesn't have anything to do with you. And you can kind of rewrite yourself. But if you allow anything that you do on the day-to-day to kind of haunt your, it'll sabotage just your mental capacity for the days. Think of it as the difference between a flashlight and a laser. It's literally the same photons flowing around a flashlight that could be focused into a laser. So you focus all your energies into positivity, you know, positively aligned tasks that better yourself and the people around you. And you'd be surprised at how little energy it takes to outpace your peers when you're not um, distracted by, you know, chasing your vices, having those three glasses of wine a day, you know, uh, watching football with the boys Saturday, college football on Saturdays, professional football on Sundays, and then it's Monday night football, and then it's something else, turns into bingo Wednesdays. You're just spending all this time chasing pleasures and you're not really moving your life forward. You're an idol. Your whole life's an idol. You know, I had to hit rock bottom as an adult to kind of get myself moving in the right direction. I had to seek help. Um, 
with a mentor and you know he basically put me to the grind he was a guy that i respected and would listen to he was the type of guy that i would listen to so you know he's killing it so it, it took you know that hyper alpha male to just call me on my bullshit you know and let me know that i was behaving like a loser that's that's the truth that the things that i were doing were had nothing to do with making me better in any way and it took a medicating stuff like right, that. Right. Yeah. I, I used alcohol and drugs and chasing girls and entertainment. I used all these things, uh, these vices to take me out of reality, you know, because I was unhappy with what I was doing. They were excuses. I basically created excuses or actions to validate my lack of success in any area, right? It's why my body was suffering. It's why my mind was suffering. It's why my profession was suffering. My relationship, you know, it just, I allowed that inaction to ruin everything around me. And I don't blame the girl that broke my heart. I don't blame it. I deserved it. I was non-deserving of a quality, a quality person in my life. I did not deserve uh, anything. And that's why I lost everything. Mm. And then, then I took every breath of every single day to, to regain everything that I lost and then surpass it. That's what's up. That's what's fucking up. (laughs) So, you know, I use the concept of you, you create, you must create the man or woman that you admire most in yourself. You must do everything that that person would do today. And I use the analogy to become the person that you ultimately want to be, right? So I hear this a lot from, you know, I coach a lot of women. I coach a lot of men online and I'll, I'll hear this constantly from, we'll just call women. I'm not picking on women here at the moment, but what we'll do is you'll hear this often. Hey, I will change my behavior for the right guy, right? And Mm -hmm. that's self-sabotaging because basically you're selling a lie, right? You're lying to yourself for one which is the worst possible lie you could ever get involved with. And then you're lying to another person. The the man of your potential dreams, you're going to deceive them into thinking you're that person and you're going to change later for the guy of your dreams, which is self-sabotaging. That is is such a, a party trick, if you will. So you must create the person that's deserving of that life. For example, you know, there's a lot of women that struggle in being married. And when I, they, they want to get married and they can't find a connection that they're looking for. And they have very, very prestigious standards, if you will. And when I break down their life, you know, I'm like, okay, so what is it in your lives that a wife should be doing now? You know, is it, should you be out on the street dating a hundred men or 10 men or whatever? And the answer is no. Should you be sleeping with a lot of people? No. Should you, you know, be able to provide that household that that traditional household that you yourself said you wanted. And that's yes. And what does that involve? You know, that's, Hey, I manage the house. I manage the kids. Like, you know, I communicate with my husband. Like all these things are very positive, not, not bashing feminism in any way or the non-nuclear family, whatever it is that you like, but you must behave in the way that gives you the thing that the results that you want, you can't change later. You change now. Right? So I tell my clients, Hey, if you want to be married, you must do all the things that, a deserving wife or husband does now, right? That's gotta gotta stop chasing the other girls and focus on just yourself and be a good person, right? And when you're a deserving husband or wife, your partner just drops out of this the ethos 
magically for you. The universe provides when you're giving. You don't have to hyper focus on, oh, I need a husband or I need a wife today. Like I'm 39. Like next month I'm 40. Like I'm over the hill. No, bitch. What you fucking need to do is fix your shit and become a good person and stop being so goddamn toxic because a high quality man or woman wants nothing to do with a garbage ass person. They have standards and they have a choice and they can tell, they can smell the bullshit that you're selling and they're not going to, they're not going to bite on that bait right there. That's, that's all smoke and mirrors. So what we do, it's the truth. That's how, that's how the fucking universe works, right? It's, it's the way it is. It's the way it's always been. The Quran is aligned in that way. The Bible's aligned in that way. Buzum's aligned in that way. Almost every religion that possibly comes to mind is aligned in that way. You must live a life of higher purpose and high ethics. And then everything else that you ever so desired is rewarded to you. But you must live that selflessly every day or it never comes. You're sabotaging your futures. Just, I don't want to get too into the universe and too into religion, but in my life, and I am not either one of those, I do believe in a higher power. If what, what, denomination that thing belongs to, I have no clue. But I do know when I live in alignment with the life that I know I want to live today, everything starts to fit into place. When I fixed what was wrong with me in just one year, I started a business. I bought the car of my dreams. I bought a house. I have the woman of my dreams. It all falls in. I repaired a relationship with my children, six-pack abs. I'm 43 years old. Like it all falls into place, but I had to do all the work up front with zero results, not believing every single day. You know, when you don't see a, a immediate gratification, you don't think the story is going to end the way you want, right? You don't think that running a podcast or being an online coach is going to make you any money because up front, you don't get shit, right? <laughs> You're, you suck at it. But when you start to get better and better and better, one client turns into two, two turns into four, it just kind of snowballs into a bigger and bigger thing in your world. But you have to put in the cycles to get better, right? And okay. then over time, the, the universe just rewards hard work. I've never really met anybody in my life that didn't work full time at any skill. We'll just say normal people might put in you know, six hours of work five, five days a week. That's what normal people do. And then on Saturday and Sundays, they forget everything they did during the week because they're having a few with the friends and hanging out, watching Netflix, you know, doing whatever it is that they do to escape their current reality. Well, in a year, you know, they are only putting in so much work. That's it. So you get obsessive with whatever you're trying to do and you start, you get up early, you start working on that craft from six to noon. That's your first day of work. And then from six, from noon to 6 p.m., that's your second day of work now. And then from 6 to midnight, now that's your third day of work. And then you do that seven days a week. You are just simply outpacing the competition in your development of skills. You make more mistakes faster and faster. You learn more and more over time. Just your volume of work just exponentially grows to where the people in your age bracket, the people in your industry, they just can't keep up with you. All hyper successful people have the same story from Elon Musk to Zuckerberg to it doesn't matter. Pick one. It's all the same. Those people were known for working 12, 20 hours straight in the groove in flow state, 
just grinding. They got really good at what they were doing pretty fucking fast. I learned that same thing and I apply that in my life. So it doesn't matter what the skill is. Give me two years. I'm going to have a decade worth of that skill development in two years, right? It doesn't matter if it's tying a shoe, if it's playing the fucking guitar, piano, if it's talking well on stage, it doesn't matter. If you do it all day, every day, you have no choice but to get better over time. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, you definitely got to work at it. And another thing I want to add to your, oh, I'll change for the right guy. You can never change for anybody but yourself. Because if you don't do it for yourself, it's never going to stick. People who say, oh, well, I'll do it for this person. I'll do it for that person. It's not going to work because you don't really want it. You're doing it to appease somebody, not because you want it. Well, you're only ever stuck with you, right? (laughs) So in my life, I'm alone. I really am alone. I view myself as entirely alone because in the worst times of my life, I was alone. And in the best times of my life, I was also alone. I've only ever been stuck inside my skin, right? So it doesn't matter. Everybody will eventually expire, right? That's a morbid way of looking at it. But the truth is you're always in some aspects, mostly alone. You Now you have a tribe, right? And they'll come along that journey with you. But 99% of your entire world is stuck inside your own mind, stuck inside your own skin, doing the things that you created that you must do. So I would never advise anybody to do something for anybody other than themselves, because at the end of the day, you're only stuck with you. So if you decide that you're going to do something and it's horrible for somebody else, you only have yourself to blame. Always fix you. When you fix you, everything else will fall into alignment. It's, it's, really, it's really that simple. It's not no, complicated. I- it's not complicated. I love like manifestation and all that. Like you really can have anything that you want. You just you have to be realistic. You have to put in the work and you have to believe of what you're capable of. Manifestation is a real thing. So inside our minds, you know, I view the mind as this thing that's in a dream state essentially and it's constructing reality real time and it's fast forwarding and it's presuming and it's constructing this this inevitable state over and over again all the time well you can think so hard you make something real right your self speak is so important and i and and I, this is another common thing that i see with while coaching other people you know, that are struggling is that their their self talks quite negative and here's an example of, you know, negative self-talk. Like I would, um, I would do something, but right. But, uh, uh, they don't like guys doing that or, or I would train for a marathon, but I could get hurt or something. There's always a something, but, and what you're, you're doing is convincing yourself in advance that it's okay to fail, right? Mm-hmm. You're using uh, negative reinforcement as a way out. And oftentimes people won't even start because they've somehow convinced themselves that they won't be good or they'll fail or they get hurt. Or there's some risk of danger. Or it doesn't matter. It's, it's over and over and over again. It's a loop. I mean, for example, I myself, absolutely not comfortable being on camera. I'm not, right? So I convinced myself for the longest time, just I made, created a thousand realities of why I shouldn't do it. 
that thing that was eating me up just got bigger and bigger and bigger to overcome. And all I ever had to do was just sit down and do it. It's, you know, like being scared of heights. It's the same as, you know, you're afraid to approach that, that really attractive man or woman. It's you don't want to take a trip because you're scared of being in a country where there's a different language, right? Although there's 30,000 tools that translate for you and maps and you can get on a tour and it's not quite very expensive and all these things where you convince yourself you just can't, right? And the reality is that I truly believe is that most people like me are like 99.9% almost indestructible, the the opportunity for all the things that they are great at and could get great at and all the things that they're capable of doing right now in the moment is like 99.9% hyper impressive. Like a person that's sitting on the couch with the right motivation could do a marathon. That's the reality. Most humans of general health could go 23 miles if someone in a car was chasing them, right? They would just walk yeah. their own speed to get to the end of it because they had no options but to fail. Their life depended on getting to that finish line. Now, I know that's an extreme example, but in general, most people are dramatically more capable than they envision themselves. And that's why I push people so hard because I've seen so many people that have just shocked me with their their capabilities. Like everybody has a superpower and uh, can dig deep and has their own gifts and talents. And they're just so scared to show the world. And, you know, maybe they're scared of being judged. I don't know, but I push people hard because I'm trying to find their limits because on the other side of their limits and those milestones is their own greatness, their version of greatness. And they just have to get out there, find that limit, step over the line a little bit, get uncomfortable, and then that becomes the new normal. If they just do that over and over and over again, Jesus, their journey on the other side of that is going to be something to witness for sure. Somebody had said, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And that resonated with me because what did I tell you before we even started this? The whole video thing fucking terrified the shit out of me. <laughs> I was proud about my little 20-minute video, but I haven't done it again. <laughs> wow. You just got to rip the Band-Aid off. That's it. So for the audience here, just so you know, I'm looking at Tiffany Richards, right? <laughs> and she's a... I'm a I'm a spoken for man, by the way. Just be clear. So I hope my girlfriend doesn't shank me. But <laughs> Tiffany Richards is an attractive woman. She's got these, I won't say it out loud because you know this is a family show, but she's got that hot teacher, glasses on, her hair pulled back. She's a good looking woman, but this woman has somehow convinced herself she won't get on the fucking camera. Girl, don't rob the world of your beauty. Get out there and get on the camera. Because someone out there is just like you, right. terrified to face their fears and to be judged by the world. At the end of the day, no one fucking cares about what they have to say. Because you could never possibly do anything and everything that will make everybody happy. Even if you were flawless. The flawless people that have been taken from us all, all could do it. And a lot of people had something negative to say about the greatest people in our society. So you just be you, never hold it back and face that fear. That's the easiest way. I'm sure you'll be surprised that 
getting on that camera was a whole lot easier uh, <laughs> once you just got on there. Get a nice light, get a good camera, a little bit of a backdrop. You'll look like you're a supermodel. <laughs> yeah. And give no fucks. <laughs> there you go. You just got to do it. It's the way it is. I was told once that you could never relate with an audience if they can't see you. No matter how good you are, the audience must always have that visual connection. I don't know if this is true or not because I listened to Howard Stern for a long time. I didn't know what the fuck that guy looked like, but he had such a great voice. I'm not gifted with that kind of voice, but uh, the audience can definitely um, relate and connect with people a lot better when they can see you. There's nothing wrong with your voice. (laughs) Well, there's nothing wrong with my voice, but it's not Howard Stern's voice. That's all. See, we judge ourselves all the time. You know, we convince ourselves we shouldn't do something, right? But. I go out and get a nice mic and I sound like, you know, someone telling a story. Right. No, that is that's yeah. a good mic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I had to. If you weren't aware, I did a, another podcast earlier and my camera was um, just my laptop camera. And I have a nice laptop, but, you know, it was blurry. It's an older laptop. So, you know, everything's in 4K, hyper, hyper resolution, bringing out the blue eyes, everything. I was like, man, I look like crap on this camera. It's like, I got to fix this. So whipped out the ring light, got my camera and play between podcasts. And then when I got a mic, I was like, all right, now we're ready for showtime. You got to do what you got to do, right? Give the audience what they want. No, you're right. You're right. I took my baby step and I'm I'm going to fix it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Hey, when, when you want to get on camera again, let me know. I'll be your, uh, I'll be your guest. I'll get on camera with you and um, we'll rock this shit. All right. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just going to make sure you get on camera. I'm not sharing <laughs> shit. You're going to, you're going to control the moment and do everything that you do. And I'm, I'm just along to, to watch the show. I get, I get, I get to be the first. I get to be the first person on the first person on on live video with you, so I'm all about that shit. Like, oh, this is gonna be great. <laughs> it's gonna be fucking great, man. <laughs> oh Lord, help us all. <laughs> no, it'll be great. Don't don't convince yourself you can't. No, I know, I know. Trust me, I, a big guy like me is scared of all kinds of shit. I just do it. That's the difference. Spiders? Are you scared of spiders? Uh, that, I mean, I don't want that thing crawling on my head. Like, get out of here. Fuck, like, look, like, look, is there something on me? Like, what the fuck are you doing, Tiffany? Like, no, I mean, they, I mean, I don't want them on me. I mean, but I'll step on one, right? I don't like snakes, but I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll eat a snake if I have to. I mean, there's a lot of things I don't like. I don't like heights, but, you know, getting on the stool or something like that doesn't make me comfortable. Never has. Right. But. But when I have to do something, I'll get up that 20-foot ladder. I'll jump out of a perfectly good plane. Um, you know, I say my prayers, right? I just I just don't hold back. That's the right. thing. I face my fears, and it, it's not a comfortable experience. But, you know, like we said earlier, on the other side of that mental roadblock is your greatness. So for every moment that you're scared to do something, you just got to do it. You know, I'm teaching men on, you know, they're struggling in their relationships. They won't even talk with women. The statistics for, you know, women and men are like inverse, right? An attractive woman never has to be alone, right? It's by choice. I don't even say attractive. Let's not confuse it. Like a woman of functional health in this society, (laughs) if at any moment moment so chooses, she doesn't have to fucking be alone, right? She does not have that option. At a bar. (laughs) 
<laughs> at a bar, online dating, it doesn't matter. Girls hold the statistical advantage astronomically. It's like eight to one, something crazy like that. Like any girl at any moment can go to 10 guys, say, hey, look, you're hot. Like, let's go out tonight. Their close rate would be like 90%. 90%, right? I've done experiments like this in real life. It's, it's fucking, yeah, I have. Yeah, my social in, um, interactions, right? college and in the field, like I've done things where I've taken just an average looking woman. We'll just say on a scale of one to 10, like a seven, right? Not ugly, but not like, like drop dead, like hot, like just average, you know, standard human body, a seven, a a decent looking woman, um, all her teeth, right? Curves, you know, the normal, right? Not like, like an Angelina Jolie, like we're, oh my God, this bitch is too fucking attractive or Scarlett Johansson or anybody. It doesn't matter. Pick, pick any name, like someone that's just like, God damn, you're just hot. <laughs> we're not talking about one of those humans, right? That, that zero, zero, one percent of attraction. We're talking just average, right? Took an average girl, took an above average guy. Uh, like he was like six foot abs, everything good looking, uh, tall, tall, colored eyes, everything like that you would see in a magazine kind of guy. I took that girl, walked her around to a hundred men. I said, Hey, look, uh, I'm running a study right here. Uh, it's a hundred percent confidential. Uh, my girl here wants to hook up no strings attached. Um, what would you say hypothetically? Yes or no? Like it was like 99.9. It was like 99%. There wasn't one fucking guy, regardless of his status, committed, not committed or anything. Like no one will ever know. Like, do you want to do this? Yes or no? And they were like, fuck yeah. Where? Show, show me. Show me where, right? They were like ready to go. The, the female though, the reverse, the inverse. So it, the statistics are like almost identically inverse. Took that male and went to 100 girls. Same thing. Like, hey, look, no one's going to know. Like, this is 100% confidential. Like, I even had a female with me, right? To, you know, show, like, build confidence. Like, we're just running a study. Like, would you or would you not? And, like, the girls, you know, like, no, he's too tall. He's too good looking. His abs are way too, too much. Or they had all these things, like, where they were like, fuck no. Like, I'm not doing that. Like, so girls are inherently hyper selective. It's a gender trait for sure. And males are inherently not hyper-selective. So they're, they're the exact opposites in that regards. So a lot of men are not part of the dating pool. They, they essentially get leftovers. According to, I think it's match.com, it's like 85% of all women are only swiping right on the top 15% of men. So that means that the bottom 85% of all men are fighting for the attention from the bottom 15% of women, right? And that's just the way it works. So a lot of men are super intimidated to approach women. They don't even, they've not even bothered like in the dating market because they don't understand the genders don't understand what each gender finds attractive, right? And kind of the courtship process. So I just teach men and women uh, how to communicate with the opposite sex for men when they're super terrified of approach or even communicating with a, with a woman that you have to communicate with everybody all the time. Right. So, you know, your first task will look something like, hey, today you have to say hello to just 10 humans, right? Male or female, it doesn't matter. So when you go to the coffee shop, you just say hello. That's it. So everybody that you interact with 10 times in one day, you need to say hello, right? You're just normalizing 
um, the rude aura of people not responding or too busy to give you the time of day. And then they're developing their own communication style to where they can interact with people pretty seamlessly, right? So they get so comfortable communicating with other people and also the associated rejection of just being nice, hello, right? That approaching a woman becomes or a man becomes no problem later, right? We just build on that. So we're normalizing rejection or another way of looking at it is that you're normalizing iterative failure, right? Which means that it's just another behavior. The, the worry of being judged or the concern of failure is, is so minute anymore that, that now you just build on it. So after that, you would say, hey, look, you need to have a conversation with a stranger, right? So it's also hello. And then you would need to have several topics to where, what you would talk about on the day-to-day, right? Something in the news or you know a sports event or something that's kind of non, non-confrontational, non-politics, obviously nothing to do with um, social justice or anything like that. Just general topics that aren't going to you know, incite a riot in conversation, if you will, about current events that you could just, people would just normally talk about, right? And then after that, you would, you would go in for some type of, you know, closure or whatever. So once you get good at those skills, you would just say, Hey, look, you seem like a really interesting person. Uh, me and a couple of friends are going to do uh, the bingo or trivia night or whatever. If you're interested, hit me up. Here's my contact information. I'll see you there. And if not, it was nice knowing you. Right, you just leave it very general, very low energy, and the ball's in that other person's court now. And if they don't hook on it or they're not interested, that's okay. You just move on. But it, it's a numbers game. So if you did that a thousand times in a week or two weeks or even in a month, the likelihood that that person would go from lonely to at least meeting a nice personality that seemed interesting was very high. Right, almost, you know, almost guaranteed. Yeah, you would just be building your social circle. You're right. So it's it doesn't have to be romantic, but all most all romance doesn't start in the bedroom. It starts at hello, right? So you are building up rapport and a friendship, and then you know your ultimate courtship. You know, in state is obviously uh, romance. But hey, good friends, good people are, are are well worth keeping around if it doesn't. It's not Absolutely. aligned to romance. If someone's, if someone's life has that kind of range in it, mine, I don't give a fuck. Like, no, like, you're, either, you're either on this ship or not. If not, get the fuck out of the way. Next, call your girl, right? We're here to live and have a good time. So don't waste mine. There you go. That's exactly, that's exactly how we do it. But you can do that with everything. That was just an example of, you know, people that have convinced themselves what they can't do. And I'm the exact opposite. I know they can fucking do it. Um, it's just going to be uncomfortable. They're going to get judged and it's scary and all those things, right? You just have to get in there and, and fight it out with yourself and do it. It becomes easy. It becomes easy. You just get so good at it. It doesn't matter. It's like, it's like sales, right? It's just, it's just a repetitions game. You just get it, get good at understanding how to respond to these different denials of advancement in the sale. And eventually you just know them all by heart. You know, you figure out when to raise your energy, when to lower it, what triggers to use, and you just kind of move forward. Communication's all the same. Stepping stones. <laughs> right, 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 right. If you came in like all like a little bitch looking down at the ground, <laughs> non-confident, I mean, what woman in her rightful mind wants to have children with a docile, limp-wristed, soft, titty-having dude? Like, no. <laughs> you fucking 
don't. And I don't blame women. Like, God damn. Like, they want Jason Momoa. I mean, Jesus Christ, who doesn't? The guy's gorgeous. Like, okay. <laughs> it's Chris Hemsworth and Jason fucking <gasps> Momoa, right? They're both superheroes. Chris we, hey, gentlemen, are you understanding a trend here? Women want superheroes. <laughs> they don't want John Candy, right? I don't, the, the dad bod thing. That's just making you feel good about your small ego. They don't want that shit. I already know the truth. You know the truth too. Yes. Chris Hemsworth now may have Alzheimer's, so there is a chance. <laughs> yeah, that he forgot he was astronomically good fucking looking and he would want to date someone like you or me, but that's okay. I mean, I've seen his wife. She's Brazilian. She's absolutely beautiful. They have a bunch of obnoxiously attractive little kids. His family's obnoxious. All the brothers are obnoxiously good looking. His dad, his dad's like all abbed out, ripped up too. It's fucking sickening. Yeah. Check <laughs> check out their family. Hey, anybody listening, go look up the Hemsworth family and just look at those genes that are rocking. I'm sure their lifestyle's perfect, but Jesus Christ, every one of them's like killing it. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany's like, oh, I'm about ready to slide off this chair, Clinton. Stop. <laughs> Oh, no, like you're so right about all of that. I love it. It's so good to hear it from a man's perspective because you don't get that a lot. No, I mean, this. so we'll go down this rabbit hole of a man's perspective. So crime over cocktails. So we discussed the crimes, right? Let's talk about how we're going to fix it. So in our culture recently in, say, five, ten years, I think we can all, all objectively say men have been demasculated. For the most part, culturally, there's just been a general trend where the things that we used to think defined a a real man, if you will, have gotten softer and softer over time, right? Good, bad, or ugly. I'm not judging. If you want to be a limp-wristed man, right, and wear a dress or do whatever the fuck it is that you want, you go do you, right? I'm going to do me and watch me clean house, okay? That's how it's going to work. But in in essence, men have been embarrassed about the things that that they always brought to the table, right? And you know, people can argue about this, but a man's duty to the family unit is to provide and protect and procreate. The three Ps, if you will. If a man's not doing those things, he has no social value whatsoever to the family, right? Also, if you look at it from the species, if you aren't procreating and you're not protecting your tribe, and providing for your tribe, you don't have a fucking tribe, right? So our society has gotten so soft and so gentle. We've diverged from those historical norms, right? And I'm not saying that that women are lesser that cannot provide and cannot protect. And obviously they can procreate. However, that relationship between a man and a woman, whatever you define it, the masculine and the feminine energy, those are, those are, uh, designed to fit together. They're complementary. They're they're opposites in most ways, but they're complementary of each other. So that means that together we were always better off than we were alone, right? Man body, a man's body fits with a woman's body. It's by design that way. It's an evolutionary trait. And our unique emotional and behavioral traits, for the most part, are complementary to each other. Like men don't stay up at night with anxiety and worrying about what creaks in the night and shit like that. Women do that shit. 
right? They all have like spaghetti brains. They have this hyperactive intelligence that's in a million places all at once. And it's brilliant, but it's complementary to the caveman singular focus bash brain with big fucking stick kind of brain, right? That's the guy's sort of focus. That's why that dude sleeps like a fucking rock at night and the girl's up all night. She's like, where are my kids? Like, are they good? What was that noise? Like there are a thousand places at once. I'm like, how the fuck do you live like that? Like, I wonder why girls have like emotional differences than men is like you guys got a lot going on upstairs like i don't have shit going on upstairs you're like what are you thinking about babe i'm like zero she's like that's possible i'm like yeah honey <laughs> like i'm not thinking about shit right now i'm just enjoying the silence can we go back to that she's like damn that must be nice i'm like it's a fucking blessing thank you <laughs> so so i mean that's that's where we're going. So I'm here to be the counter to that narrative. I see the value in men. I see the way men are struggling. I actually think men are the problem for a lot of issues in the relationship and house women divorce uh, men at like it's above 80%, right? They're the initiators of divorce, educated women. It's above 90%, right? So it's, it's men are the problem. And we have to focus some energies on bringing men back up to where they meeting expectations of their partners, right? This is a social problem. This is 100% not going to end well for the women in, in our society in another 10, 20, 30 years if this continues. And it's definitely not going to end well for the men. So if we use the current math, 85% of all the women are only interested in top 15%. And it becomes harder and harder and harder to have more and more money than women. It becomes harder and harder and harder be masculine, do those things. Everything's working against humanity. That means that there's going to be, you know, five and 10% of men with access to all the women. That's not going to work out well for all the women because usually those guys don't treat girls very nicely, right? And generally the, the bottom tier of the men are going to struggle in a lot of ways. There won't be a lot worth living for absent your, your forever partner, you know, it's just going to be a single life for me and, you know, they're going to struggle. So I'm here to help men be their best version of themselves. We create uh, ethical, powerful men, you know, that provide for their families, their good fathers, they communicate with their wives, they protect their wives and girlfriends. All the things that I learned to correct in my life, I teach men to do. Like I don't teach men to, you know, be some ogre swinging an axe unless they have to. Right, that crazy guy kicks in the door. Right? Do you do you want to be the guy that's going to defend your family? Right? Your job is to die, bro. I'm sorry, but that's your duty. Hey, grab your phone, get the kids, get the fuck out of here. Like, daddy's gonna go have some fun. Don't look back. Right? And that's it. That's the last thing you say to your family, maybe. But that's your fucking job as a man. And it's the sad as it is. That's that's the reality. That is the male's purpose. And all of society is to protect that tribe. And if he doesn't have a tribe to protect for, protect, then um, poor him. I mean, that's not an existence. The greatest part of my life is, is providing for my tribe. It gives me purpose, right? My tribe is my online, my online army, right? All the men and women out there that I help inspire and coach and prove that no matter where you come from, you can be anything in your life that you so choose. You can reach any level of success. You just need to put it in the work. And I show them how. I don't keep any secrets from the people that know me. You want to know how to make a million dollars? I show you. Right? 
I'd rather show you how to fish so you can feed your family for a year than sell you fish. It's not what I do, right? So we induce hard times every single day so that we can create hard individuals. And that's men and women. I create some badass women, right? And they just go out and get it. They have hyper confidence. They set goals. They hold themselves accountable and they just go out and achieve. And you give me 12 months, you'd be surprised what you could accomplish when you're focused. That's my spiel on men. You already know. <laughs> now, I'm, not, I'm not pulling punches. It's you fucking guys out there. The problem. Soft <laughs> men. I know they don't like it. They're going to listen to this. But they're going to be triggered as fuck. And that's the point. You need to do something about it. And ladies out there, don't accept that soft ass, poor behavior from your dude, right? You're a girl. Be deserving. Put your fucking foot down. Like, no, we're not doing that, bro. Like, step away from the fucking cheeseburger, Chad. Like, we're <laughs> not doing that. You once told me you were a college football player, and look at you now. You haven't seen your dick in a year. Oh. <laughs> like, step back from the donuts, bro. Hey, every 50 pounds overweight, you lose an inch. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm blessed, though. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so there is also a link to, just so for, for the audience here, and this isn't turning into a, a male podcast. There's other genres, but there is a link to being overweight and lack of free testosterone in the bloodstream. So Ooh. the older a man gets, it's essentially every year past 20, their testosterone can drop like 1%, right? So continually their testosterone goes down and down. Lower and lower and lower when they get in the 30s and 40s. That's why they have man boobs and all this shit, right? But the fatter you are, the less free testosterone is in the bloodstream, right? So the fat uh, essentially is a roadblock for the free testosterone in a simple term. Now, there's a, a fancy scientific term for it, but the fatter you are, the less testosterone, the lower your testosterone will be, guaranteed. All you need to do is drop the LBs and return you back to that youthful state, and there's some term like, uh, I think you looked it up, like it was like your great grandfather or something crazy had like triple, like quadruple, he had four digit testosterone, like over a thousand. Like he was in like the 12, the 1200s or something crazy like that, 1100s, thousand, thousand and one or something like that. This is a number that's statistically abnormal in our society today. Most men rock around, you know, between 300 and 600, you know, a humongous difference. It's a lot of it's stress and environment, and there's all kinds of factors, but it's all correctable. And, and the most of it, the majority of that could be corrected through behavior. You know, what you eat, the amount of physical activity you do, dropping all those pounds easily. I call it the fountain of youth, right? You can do cold plunges. There's all kinds of things you can do to strategically increase your testosterone, increases libido, right? As men, age, they have ED problems, they suffer with depression and anxiety, all those things are easily correctable um, by just managing the body fat, right? Get your body fat down to, you know, single digits, high single digits or uh, low teens. And that's a completely different human. They'll look 10, 20 years younger. They'll feel 20 years younger and they'll perform 20 years younger. So it's, it's the fountain of youth for a male. Very good to know. Yeah, so if you got a big dude, get his ass in the gym quick, girl. He'd be chasing you around the house like a teenager. <laughs> That's the truth. That is facts. Quote me on that one. Well, before I forget, I definitely want to tell you, thank you so much for your service. 
by the way. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I won't say it was my pleasure, um, but I've always been a, a selfless person. And I, I just inside, there were times that I did some really horrible things. All right. I wasn't, I'm not a perfect person, but inside, part of my beliefs were always somewhat selfless, right? Because I, I had selfish parents and, you know, they messed up my world. And I, I always wanted to, you know, be like Batman. You know, I always loved the superhero Batman because he didn't have superpowers. He just had his mind and he worked really hard. And obviously he was super rich. That's cool as fuck. He drove around in badass cars, but he was, he was nothing special. He just worked really hard and selflessly became the enemy, but he was doing the right thing. Right. So society always demonized Batman, but he was selfless. He was, he was willing to go the places normal people wouldn't go for the, the greater good of the city of Gotham, you know, and that's to me is, you know, the pinnacle of, of humanities do be willing to go the places other people won't go for the greater good. And sometimes that's uncomfortable. Not everybody's built like that, but I am, I'm definitely built like that. So that's, that's what I enjoy. So my service in the Marine Corps was, I have some good memories of the Marine Corps and I have a lot of pseudo bad memories and a few pretty horrible memories, but it was all worth it at the end of the day that helped uh, build the man that that's here today for the world brick by brick. I had to go through those tough times, all that trauma of combat and, you know, the issues with my family that helped create a, a really interesting human later in life. And most people don't respect someone without a story, you know, without a backstory, without a superhero backstory, you're just someone preaching knowledge, right? That's, Kind of like a like a snake oil salesman, right? It's some bullshit. Like you have to do it and live it and be undeniable to move the masses. Right. right. I wouldn't I wouldn't buy a, a vehicle from a like a dealership. Like I wouldn't fucking do that. Like I, I go see the cars I want. I was like, yo, man, that's a dope car. Like, tell me about it. Like, should I have one? And the guy's eyes will light up. He's like, this is the baddest thing ever engineered. Like, you got to get you one of these, man. It flies. Like, that's the kind of shit I want. I don't want to go to a salesman, like, tell me, like, the the specs from the spec sheet. Like, I can look that shit up on the internet. Fuck you. <laughs> man, no, I want someone that's been through it. Like, you've been through it and figured out how to get out the other side in one piece. Like, that That turns me on. That's That's, you know purpose that's drive that's perseverance that's all those things that's the kind of stuff that inspires me i don't care if it's a man or woman like if you're killing it like i love to hear that story like that's right girl like tell me tell me how you did it like like paint that picture with your words on how you got through that environment and survived and now you're you know you built this empire like i want to know that like i don't want some some hyper mathematical numbers person that just was born into money and they just funded their way through to success and shit that fuck that nah nah you impressed me when you came from the gutter right you're an immigrant and somehow you you and your wife become doctors and then like all your fucking children are doctors and attorneys and shit like that that's the kind of stuff i want it's like motherfucker you you earned your way in society and you just Beat the statistics into submission, right? It doesn't matter on how you look, male, girl, 
where you come from, the color of your skin, your religion, like hardworking people are undeniable. That's just the way it is. They get smart, they get an advocate, and they just keep working the system until they get ahead. And they might spend their whole life, and they might work 30, 40, 50 years, right? As an immigrant, you might work your entire life, but your children, right? If you're smart and you make purposeful decisions the entire time you're alive, your children will be upper class. I see it. I see it all the time, all the time. I see Americans born in the gutter and they just do what other other people in our social circles do. And then I see other people that come here, the same ethnic group, and they just excel, right? Because they have a different mentality, right? They're 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 seeking out higher education, they're seeking out those careers. You know, they own the grocery store and then they work their way up to multiple grocery stores or they buy a property and then have a few properties, and then, you know, they buy the complex building. I mean, they're just crafty with continually setting goals and getting better. Whereas a lot of Americans, unfortunately, they just stagnate. You know, hey, look, I'm I have to be this way because my parents had to be this way, right? I I must drink alcohol and and you know partake in domestic violence because that's what I was taught. Well, what are you a robot? No, you have a choice, and you can at any moment dictate the kind of person, man or woman, you want to be for the rest of your life. Absolutely. At any moment, like it doesn't even take that much. Like it, it's surprisingly simple on how rapid a person can redefine their reality in just, it's like months. It's like a year. You give someone like one to two years, they just stick their head down and just grind it out. Jesus Christ. Like they, they're, so, they're so far ahead of everybody else because they spent all that energy getting better. I mean, even I hate to bash on like higher education. I mean, I've you know, partaked the doctorate level classes and eventually I just burn out. I was like, ah, I don't want to be a PhD. Like what the fuck? Like, I give up my entire life for that piece of paper. And what am I going to do with it? Like do some research, write some fucking books, like teach people in college. Like that sounds miserable. Like then I'll be tenure and just play golf three times a week with like the yuppies with a cardigan and shit. Like, fuck that, man. Like, could you see me up on stage? Like, teaching yeah. <laughs> uh, calculus to 18 year old kids. I, like I have zero fucks. Like get my student aid up there. I'm going to play golf. Like, fuck y'all. I'm out. <laughs> Peace. Right. Like, no, I mean, it's like even college, it's like most of it's play. Most of higher education isn't even needed. You know, it's like, what the fuck does a philosophy class have to do anything with someone that wants to be an engineer? It doesn't. It's complete waste. And why are we doing advanced mathematics? For someone that wants uh, like a humanities degree or an art degree, it wants money. to be an interior designer, like it's all money. It's big mm-hmm. business, right? But we're wasting humans' time. So, I mean, I, I truly believe most of those de- degrees could be done in two years, like in and out. You just hyper focus, like all the classes that don't matter, fucking drop them, right? But no, we we're ushering in our society to fund higher education. You know who's funding the loans, the government. Right. And then there's the private loans and it's like 60, 70% of people can't even pay back their fucking loans. So now it's a taxpayer problem. Right. So we're just propagating quitters. Right. We're, we're showing people that you can waste time and do things that don't even fucking matter for the most part. Like, don't come after me and try to cancel me because I don't like big education. I'm just saying that you could do it more efficiently. I don't think there's anybody out there that says we couldn't be more efficient with human time. 
I think I think any all those people in higher education be like, yeah, you're right, but I don't want to lose my two hundred thousand dollar cushy tenure job either, Clinton. So we're not fucking doing that. Like, okay, well at least you're being honest. Like, let's be real with it. You could do it faster. You could be more efficient. You could stop wasting people's times, you know, and just focused education. I think entire education system could be easily reworked to just be a, just run it like a like a for profit business and not waste pe- people's time. You're trying to get them the education as quick as humanly possible, get them out the door and into the workforce with the right tools for their said degree instead of having them spend four years and 60% of the credits don't even fucking matter. Like that's, that's silly. Right. That's what always annoyed me. And so many people get their degree and they can't even use it. Can't find a job. Yeah. Yeah. It's become so normalized. Like I'm counter to, you know, offering free education. I think everybody should have the ability to go to college, but if you don't have any skin in the game, right. And everybody gets free college. I think there'll be some, some um, negative repercussions. You know, you'd flood the market with all those new skills. What does that mean? Salaries go lower, right? Supply and demand, right? The free economics states, you know, the market's only ever worth what the market dictates your worth, right? So you could think you're worth a million bucks, but if you're a hyper common skill, you're worth 10,000. Like that's the truth annually. Like you give up a year of your life for 10 G's. Like, I think we need to be careful there. Be very careful. Be very careful. And, you know, I think there's a lot of current data that suggests, you know, those those trade skills are on the rise. So since so many people have chosen a higher education, trade skills have gotten quite lucrative. You know, there's six and seven figure earners that are like handymen, right? There's out there solving people's issues in their house, right? They're running their businesses, they're entrepreneurs, then they're hustling, right? They're not just like sleeping all day. Like these people are running like a legit business, but I follow some people that are six figure handymen, right? They're making 100, 200K, like changing lights and shit because, you know, you know, people need that, right? They don't have the skill. They won't YouTube something, right? They don't know like basic function or like how to fix a pipe or change out a faucet. So they just call someone, right? And those people are killing it, killing it. Nobody else wants to do it. So shit. It's only going to get worse funnel more and more people into higher education unless less right. people don't do shit like i had to show my son how to change a tire like bro youtube that shit like you don't need to know anything like like it's been so long since i've changed a fucking tire like i don't even know that they're still around like come on it has an inner tube still we haven't come past that i gotta change this like dude pull up youtube type in how to change out a tire we're gonna do it that this is how i learn everything just google that shit if you want to learn anything go to google like how to do my makeup, right? How to shave my head. It doesn't matter how to shape my beard up. Like just type it in. Like it's, there's a wealth of knowledge on there. Some of it's bullshit or a lot of it's bullshit entertainment or whatever, but there's some good stuff on YouTube. I fixed a lot of things at my house before with just YouTube. Trust me. Like I don't, yeah, I just, just pause, rewind, pause, rewind, pause, rewind. It's like, what? Like, yeah, no. Like, I'll look up like parts. You know how things don't work anymore. I don't know. I had like these ballast lights. I had to look up. So I looked up up on YouTube, and there was like a little video. Like, yeah, these ballast lights go out. So I looked up the part. Like, they don't even make that shit anymore. So I had to replace the light. I was trying to be cheap, and I had to replace the whole damn light. But YouTube has showed me how. Right? You could do anything. You could build engines. You could build cars. You could build rockets just from YouTube. If you want to build a computer? Just type it in. Shit's fucking easy. Little kids are doing that stuff. So yeah, there's, there's just a huge opportunity out there in the world, um, to be your best version. 
right? It's just got to get out there and do it, people. Absolutely. Do you want to let my listeners know where to find you if they're interested? For sure. Now, if you've found this interesting, I am all over the internet. You won't be able to miss me. But the easiest place to find me, if you have questions about uh, being best version of yourself, nutrition, fitness, your mindset, come look me up on Instagram, San Diego underscore Clinton and the number one. You can find me on Instagram. Just look for the the baddest, most beautiful, handsome, bald man you've ever seen, <laughs> right? In San Diego. You just won't be able to miss it. I'm all over the place. I'm also on TikTok, Facebook, YouTube. I'm all over the place. But start at Instagram. Everything's listed there. And that's the easiest place to find me. And then um, we'll go from there. Awesome. So clearly, you probably do people from all over the world. They don't have to live in San Diego. Yeah. No, no, no. No. So I'm an online coach. I don't do in, in-person coaching. Right, can't scale in-person coaching in my time. I'd rather help a hundred people in a day than help five or ten. Right, so I don't do in-person coaching. I mean, we can do in-person coaching, but a hundred percent of my business is online, so it's all digital. Everything is my onboarding's digital. All the programs I create are digital, um, and then we have follow-up calls with Zoom every week. So everything I do is digital. I can scale that and just help so many more people. Um, yeah. get their message and help them improve themselves in a lot of different ways. So it's all online. Now, if there's, like we mentioned, Angelina Jolie needs some personal attention, right? I will fly out to Angelina Jolie's obnoxious compound and get her shit in gear, right? Angelina, (laughs) if you want to put on 10 pounds of muscle, I got you, girl. Call me, okay? And Brad, if you're out there, I'll fuck your world up too. I'll get you off that drink, bro. Call me. There you go. (laughs) <laughs> if they listen to my show, I will shit a brick. <laughs> you never know. You don't. You never, you, never you, know. Never know. you never know. I'm surprised. I was doing something on how, so I haven't really been an online coach too long. I mean, I've been helping people a long time. My journey's relatively narrow on the scale of online coaching or just coaching in general. But I was doing something. Oh, I, I was buying my car. So I went out and bought this really, really badass Corvette. Um, had a conversation with my coach. I was like, Hey, look, I'm starting this business, blah, blah, blah. Should I buy the car now or start an LLC assign? And he's like, dude, start the LLC, put the car under the LLC. I was like, all right, cool. So I go to the Chevy dealership. I'm looking for a Corvette, the brand new Corvette. And they have, I think three of them. Yeah. Three of them, uh, a black one, a red one. And I think a white one. So my guy is out there, Tyree. If you're listening, thank you for that ride. That thing's badass. So, so I'm sitting there. Right. And we're communicating like I'm, I'm, I'm a light that's always on. Right. If you can't tell, this is, this is the energy we bring all day, every day. Right. This same conversation, like I don't hold back anymore. At one, one point in my life, I was scared to use my words. I just held everything in. But now I have zero filter like mom. Right. And I, I've rewired that for my purpose. Right. Is to help people. So all day long, every day, it's the same thing. I give them my 30 second story. Like I can help you fix your world, like follow me on Instagram or whatever. And, and I just go about my life. Right. So he follows me on Instagram, my salesman. He's like, holy shit, my brother-in-law follows you. And I'm like, that's when I got like my first little, I won't call it fame. Right. But it kind of like clicked in my head. And I have a few followers. I think I'm up to like 20,000 now or something crazy. To me, that's crazy. Cause I was two years ago, I was anti-social media. I was like, fuck that. Like, that's not my life. Like, I'm not going to 
get online and tell anybody what I'm doing in my world. Like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I'm not, I'm just not like, I don't care. Now, two years I've evolved and I'm online. I have these followers and I, and I go to a car salesman and his brother-in-law fucking follows me. It's fucking crazy. Right. So that's like my little micro taste of, you know, my entry level into the world of social media and kind of like how that web just kind of spreads out and just kind of gets bigger and bigger and bigger. It's a little scary from time to time. Right. I get followers from all over the world. Right. I get some craziness. You won't even, we won't even go into that right here. But, you know, there's all kinds of interesting things. We'll just say it like that, that happened in that online space, right? Well, like, some of it's real, some of it's fake, I'm sure, but it's just an interesting world of how the the digital environment connects people together. Um, it's actually quite amazing to me that I can you know, sit on this podcast and that someone on the other side of the planet can hear these zeros and ones and something in here that we'll say will resonate with someone and you know, they could be in a, a horrible place and it could potentially change their life, you know, and they can make changes themselves. It doesn't have to be me that helps them, but they can, you know, start following other people big in the industry, you know, like Angie Frazella or, you know, Joe Rogan or uh, Bedros, you know, all these big West Watts and all these huge people in the industry, they could, you know, follow them and get inspired to do, um, be better. You know, it's kind of crazy to me. That's just shocking. Cause I didn't, you know, we're a little bit older. I didn't, we didn't have a fucking computer in the house when I was a kid through high school. We didn't have a computer. Like I didn't even have a cell phone. Like, like I had, I had the old major. school, like the, the flip phone, the clamshell one. What was that? The razor, that shit, you know, the first yeah. razor, like, Ooh, I'm big time. Right. And then there was the kids, you know, that had the stock trader dad or something in high school and they had the giant brick, Blueberry. Right? the big giant brick fucking thing, the eight pound battery, the car battery hanging off their ear. And they thought there was someone special. And then, you know, went up to like the Nokia. Remember the Nokia? Oh, I had one. It was white. And actually my ringtone, I remember it. It was, if I only had a brain by the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> oh my God. And then the internet was so fucking slow. I remember what we play online. It was like card game or something. It was like an online card game. Like one of my friends, his dad was an engineer and I'd shoot over to his house and we'd play, uh, was it some golf game on the PC? And then they had some like online card game. I can't remember what it was like spades or something simple like that. And then you could oh, connect okay. with people. Yeah. But we played it online. So it like dial up like, <laughs> You'd connect up, and then that shit was like so fucking slow. I think it was like thirteen point five k or something stupid was the speed of the internet. Uh, I remember 20- that. I would like go take a shower, or go clean dishes, or something in between because it was gonna be a minute. <laughs> a minute, it, like forever. Like you couldn't possibly download a four k movie at that speed. It would take your entire life. It's not even possible. Right, right now you can just stream that shit to your phone, like anything, like an ultra high definition. Just play uh, a high def beach, you know, from YouTube on loop in your living room if you're feeling a little down. I mean, it's crazy, crazy. You can watch surgeries. I mean, you could stream this. I mean, we could stream this around the planet, like no problem. 4K. I mean, we look great. You look greater than me. That's okay. Right. We can we can do all that with the internet and the power of social media. Ah, uh, to me, it's just, it's That's amazing. 
it's absolutely amazing. It's mind. It's just absolutely mind blowing. Like if you would have told me two years ago, just two years ago, that I would start a business and that all my revenue would come from social media and online sales, digital services, I would I would have laughed you out of the fucking room. I'd be like, you're fucking crazy. Like, no way. There's no way. Absolutely no way. And here it is, uh, running these online businesses. And, you know, I exceeded, you know, my desk job, you know, by double or double, triple, like pretty quickly. Yeah. Like, like it's, it's possible. There's so much money out there. And, and I never, I never believed that. I mean, I was so socially conditioned to think like everybody else, go to school, get a good job, sit at the desk, die there. Right. That's how I was. That's how I was raised, literally raised to, to think. And, you know, I remember uh, hearing something from um, Andrew Tate, right? Uh, bless his heart. He's in jail. I hope he's innocent. But, you know, if he's did something bad, he's, he's where he belongs. But regardless, I heard something that resonated really, it shocked me. He said, There's so much money in the world. He goes, I go to buy these supercars and they're fucking sold out. Right, and that just like shocked me. I was like, "Wait, it's like how the how the hell could you go dr- go buy like a six million dollar car and you know, or a million dollar car or half a million dollar car and they're sold out? Like, like they don't have any, you know." And then I went on my journey. I was like trying to get my hands on a Rolex. Like it's like next to impossible. They don't fucking have any. That's a the cheapest watch I have is I think seven thousand or eight thousand. I don't even know. It's not a little bit of money. It's it's a chunk. It's a bag, right? It's a small bag, but it's a bag of money. You're like, okay, like why the fuck are they out of these things? Like, can you just hear it over and over again, right? All the suppliers, all the different watches, they're fucking out, right? They just don't do it. And there's people out there that buy like three, four watches at a time, like spend like 100K the Rolex store, like nothing, like zero, right? So there is a lot of money out there to, to be had. You know, there's just so much access to it. You just can't connect something of value to the people that need it easily. And that's where the, the, the art of the industry really comes in. It takes a while to figure out how to connect the products that you're selling to the people that most need it. And there's so many people. I mean, if we're sitting here on a planet of 7 billion people or whatever the current population is, I don't know, post-COVID, we'll call it a cool 6.9, whatever, right? 6.9 billion people on this planet. And how many of them have access to, you know, just a little bit of money and how much, how many of those people on the whole planet right now at this moment actually need something that I have to offer? That number's scary big, right? They're just, they're not linked up with me, right? And that's, I think, the where the art of the business comes in. So for all the audience out there, if you're limited, if you're limiting your mind on what you believe you can't do, rewire that shit. And start believing that you can do anything. Um, believe that when you step on the concrete, you're so above grade and so massive that you're cracking the pavement like the Incredible Hulk. You know that if there's something wrong in your life, you're a, a person that's stuck in an environment with domestic violence. You do not have to stay there, right? And that those those things will not define you. They just help strengthen you over time, and you can turn all those negative things in your world that aren't where you know they should be, and you can turn that into positive energy. You can create the person in the life that you always wanted. You just need to start with that first hardest thing, which is step one. Right? right? Just get started. I love it. it. It's the truth. 
Yeah, I started mine. <laughs> <laughs> I started mine too, so. And, and I don't think I'll do anything else. This will, this will be the thing that I do forever because it's, it's so beneficial to me emotionally because every day, you know, people, people dread waking up in the morning. Most people do. Most people um, are not happy when they go to their lives and their cubicle, not happy with their family. There's a lot of unhappy uh, parts, parts of this country. And, you know, I, I don't have that problem anymore. I once had that problem where I didn't want to live, right? I was so miserable, so, so lost in society, inside my own mind that I couldn't find a reason to live. I really, I really couldn't. Like I, I literally loaded my grandfather's, my granddaddy's shotgun, stuck it on the wall, right? At four in the morning and just waited to, for a sign to pull the trigger or not. Right? That's how desperate my life once got. So I understand where all those people are in, in their despair. Right. So I just, just know that I was once there and there's a lot of people that can be there or worse and really struggling. And uh, you know, it's my voice that they turn to to show them that there's a way out. It's needed. People need to feel connected. They need to feel like they're not the only one. So it's very good. Well, I think we hit enough. Absolutely. Uh, but it, it was always a pleasure. If you guys are in need for some tough love, you know exactly where to go. No matter where you're listening, make sure you like, follow, subscribe, leave a review. And don't forget about CrimeOverCocktails.com. There you can listen to the episodes. I have helpful hotlines for you if you need it. And that's a good way also if you want to reach out. Do you want to be on the show? Do you have a story to tell? All right, you guys, we'll talk crime another time. Bye.